coming up. It has ancient healing magic and it is a powerful tool used today. But first, welcome to Imagine Peace, the podcast that invites you on a transformative journey toward a world filled with harmony and understanding. Together, let's ignite the flame of peace within ourselves and radiate it outward so we can have a future where unity prevails. This is Imagine Peace, where dreams become reality. Join us as we explore the power of compassion, the beauty of diversity, and the potential for positive change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Imagine Peace. I'm Terry Angel, one of the co-founders of 10 Million for World Peace, and we have an amazing guest to introduce you to today. This is Ellen Moosh, who resides in Wheaton, Illinois, and Ellen has been dedicated to using labyrinths to help individuals, communities, and the world since 2001, and she became a Veritas Certified Facilitator. Originally, she focused her labyrinth energy on helping persons served. In 2005, she created the Global Healing Response, a plan that helps the labyrinth community respond to disasters and emergencies in a unified way. Since 2020, Ellen has served as the coordinator for World Labyrinth Day, created by the Labyrinth Society. Most recently, Ellen has collaborated with the Legacy Labyrinth Project as director of the Labyrinth Activist Network. Using the power of collective healing, the labyrinth, and the philosophy of contemplative activism, she's bringing together labyrinth enthusiasts who want to make powerful change peacefully. Ellen predicts we must work collectively to make the changes we need for peace in the world. I so agree with that, Ellen, and I I love what you do, and I want us to get to know more about what that is. So welcome, welcome. Thank you you for having me. This Labyrinth Project, I am so excited to meet you and to find more people to connect with that you're involved in with this project. So please, I would love for you to explain for those who may not know what the purpose of a labyrinth is. If you would start there and then tell us about the project that's ongoing. Sure, Um, and some people may not have seen a labyrinth or you've seen one and you didn't know that you saw one. Um, And a funny thing happens once I talk about this all of a sudden they might start appearing around you or you might hear more about them. So don't be surprised. Um, Labyrinths are an ancient tool. Uh, The first one has been discovered from like 5,000 BC on the Isle of Crete. There are many different designs. They look like a maze, but they're actually the opposite of a maze. They are unipersal instead of multipersal. So a maze is meant to confuse for you to make decisions, for you to think in your head. And a labyrinth is universal. So once you step onto a labyrinth or you use your finger to trace a labyrinth, as long as you continue moving one foot forward or one finger forward, you will get to the center. And then um, in most cases, you walk back out the labyrinth the same way that you came in. So it's a great tool, it's a great container um, for 
finding focus and processing grief um, for maybe finding answers to questions that you have in your life. Um, and it's just a great peaceful place because it is considered sacred space in the inside of a labyrinth. Um, there's so many different designs and different ways to walk a labyrinth or use it as a finger. Now, sometimes I, I can tell you I've walked a labyrinth probably over a thousand times and no two walks are the same. Sometimes I feel like walking fast. Sometimes I feel like walking slow. Sometimes I don't go in with any preconceived notion. Sometimes I have a question. Um, so uh, Lauren Artress out of Grace Cathedral wrote a wonderful book, Walking a Sacred Path. And I highly recommend that if you want to find out a little bit more. Um, she is who I trained with in 2001. Um, and she says, I don't want to walk on your snowfield. I don't want to give you too much information about what you'll experience because I don't want to lead you. I want it to be your own experience when you walk one for the first time. But sometimes people are a little bit not nervous, but they're not sure of themselves the first time they walk. So I highly recommend that when you do it the first time, you maybe do it the second time and you'll feel a little bit more comfortable and be able to relax a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that because I remember the very first one I walked. Mm -hmm. and it was so beautiful and so spiritual. We had someone that did explain, you know, the purpose and what we were doing. And so I had a magnificent experience. But then after that, it was more of a relaxed, okay, what am I going to get from this? Mm -hmm. And right. I think if you go in with that question, what, what can I get from this? It just leaves it open. Right. Right, exactly. And there's a suggested way of walking a labyrinth, just a suggestion. Like I said, you can do it any way that feels right for you. But as you walk in, you release, um, release what's bothering you, release the day, release, you know, your burdens. The important thing is to find the pace that you want to walk. And if you're walking with other people, you don't let them dictate the pace that your body feels like it wants to go. So you allow people to pass or you pass people, but find, you know, get in tune with your body and release. The center um, is often a place of receiving where if you have a question or um, you might feel a, a strong energy there. And then um, when you walk out, you reunite with the world. And how are you going to take this piece that you felt, maybe this answer you received or this insight and how you can integrate that into your life because you do have to step off the labyrinth and back into the world. Yeah, I love being in the center. And what I usually do, one thing, one tool I do with it is I give honor to the four directions. Mm -hmm. Usually with the labyrinth, you have like four different sections of that middle part. And so I just turn all four directions and give honor, but whatever That's works, fine. you know, like right. you said. Right. And that's one of the things that drew me to the labyrinth is that it's been found in almost every society that archaeologists have uncovered. Um, and every different religion has its own type of labyrinth, the Jewish Kabbalah, the Hindu Yantra, Man in the Maze in the Native American world. They have several, but that's one. Right. Um, that's what attracted me was the unifying aspect. And the fact that there's no right or wrong way to walk a labyrinth. And it meets you where you are. So then the World Labyrinth Project. Tell us mm -hmm. about that. 
my work with that actually started in 2005 when I started the global healing response. I trained in 2001, right before 9-11. And I was this new, excited facilitator, labyrinth facilitator, and 9-11 happened. And I thought, okay, what are we going to do? And um, people did lovely things. They did all over the world, but there wasn't anything unified. And so I had it in my head. Wouldn't it be great if there was a simple plan that if something happened around the world, we could come together and open our labyrinths? Because as I said before, it's a great way to integrate grief or anxiety um, and help people heal. So, so for example, with 9-11, we were all anxious and all scared. It wasn't just the people who were directly affected by the um, tragedy, right? So I sat on this idea. I kind of created a very simple but profound way to do it. And I woke up one morning and said, this is the day. I'm going to introduce it to the labyrinth community. And I put it out there. I didn't know I was going to have to implement it in two weeks with Hurricane Katrina. Right. So that was our first response. Um, the people who were affected by the hurricane, um, the feedback we got was that it was very helpful to know that people were thinking about them all around the world and the healing energy that was sent that way. We've gone on to respond to over 17, I think it's 18 disasters. Um, as of now, we've been Uvalde, um, you know, you can imagine the hurricanes, the tsunamis, um, shootings, um, the Ukraine war. We've had a unified response. We've also partnered with a few organizations um, when they have events globally. Mm -hmm. So I had, I've done this work since 2005 with the Labyrinth community. And then in 2020, the World Labyrinth Day, which began in 2013, asked me if I would um, coordinate for them. So um, it was kind of a natural progression and the Global Healing Response still exists. And it's actually gone on to become a full year long thing because as I'm sure we'll talk about later, um, I have a passion for collective healing right. and feel very strongly about it. So I have continuous um, materials that people can use all the time with the idea that if facilitators or any healing modality would use this um, theme and focus and quote and meditation in this quarter, we could have an impact on the energy of the world. So it's grown a little bit. Yeah. Um, and World Labyrinth Day has grown too. Um, we have this year, we have some pre World Labyrinth Day events that help um, labyrinth facilitators plan their event and give them ideas. And we've offered them twice during the day to cover all the time zones so that um, they really did feel like it was a global event. This year, we had over 210 events registered on our website, which is worldlabyrinthday.org. And we had over 35 countries, 39 states in the United States, six, um, six of the continents were missing Antarctica, which I'm committed to getting next oh, year. So there you go. No <laughs> trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if I have to, maybe I'll have to be on Antarctica. Right. I don't. And so we, we really did cover the globe and we walk as one at one for, for your specific time. So there's a wave that starts in New Zealand a wave of peace at one o'clock that goes around the world all the way to Hawaii. I love that idea. Yeah, I saw that on your um, one of the videos, I think. And so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It, it, 
the video that you saw is amazingly touching to people. And I think it's because it shows you can do it. And that's the work you're doing too. You guys are doing the same thing. Exactly. Knowing in our hearts that we can do this. We can unite people in this one mission of having a a world that works for everyone, you know, a world that's sustainable. So you're, you're such a part of it now. I love this. I love that you've joined forces with us and we're collaborating. That's the name of the game. The more we get, um, you know, there's a tipping point and um, I'm really, really excited about what science is finding out about collective healing and um, the quantum physics to collective healing. So I, as I started learning about that in about 2019 or so, I started really diving into all of that. I realized I didn't even know what I was doing in 2005 and the impact that it could have and, and what the possibilities are. It's amazing. I feel like if people just knew, I know not everybody needs to know science, but sometimes for some people that helps them to understand what we're doing and why it's so impactful if they understand um, the quantum physics of it. And I also saw that you teach the heart-brain coherence, as do I, and all the science behind that, where they're really showing what happens with the body when we go into that coherent state. So you know, all of it works with, with science coming to meet us in the middle, it seems like. We already knew about meditation calming us and having an effect on us. But now it's scientifically uh, acknowledged that right. the case. I like to say science is finding out what we already knew, that we're all connected. I do think if we remember, because I think we all know this intuitively, mm-hmm. but if, if we remember how strong and amplified and exponential our power is together, we would be much more willing to join together and excited about doing it. I created a model using the labyrinth where it starts individual and then we walk as a group. We become, um, so we, we've become coherent, which, you know, is the loving, peaceful, compassionate energy. That's when you're coherent individually. And then when you can become entrained or in a group coherent, that power is exponential. So, you know, the Maharishi effect, I'm sure you're familiar with that, where they quantified that 1% of of the population, square root of 1% of the population is all you need to start making a change in the environment around you. So if you have 900 people you want to impact, 1% is nine and the square root of that is three. So only three people are needed to impact 900. And we need to remember that there is such power in community in coming together. Absolutely. I'm so excited about working alongside you. This is going to be an amazing journey to work with the... Ten million world peace. You guys are doing incredible work too, and it's going to take for us to get that exponential power. We're all going to have to work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always use the the quote: "It takes a village," and it truly does. And um, so, any last words that you want to leave our audience with? Just remember, there's power, power in the collective. 
I love that. Power in the collective. And powerful change can happen peacefully. Yes. Bring change mm -hmm. to the world. So thank you again for being thank here. You. And I look forward to what we can accomplish together. Mm -hmm.